Attention all Fiverr freelancers. Are you a talented entrepreneur who wants to increase your sales and earn those sought-after five-star reviews? You're in the right place. Fiverr Freelance Secrets is the only podcast that uncovers secrets even Fiverr doesn't want you to know. Listening to this show will give you an unfair advantage in the marketplace. Get ready to discover the most effective tools and strategies to upgrade your freelance marketing skills. Now, here is your host, seven-year Fiverr veteran, Daniel Kinash. I am super excited to have Mike Nardi on as a special guest on the Fiverr Secrets podcast. Mike uh, grew his Fiverr freelance business to yield on some months close to $3,000 per month. He has extremely practical advice that he shares on his YouTube channel. And hopefully today we can extract some of those concepts that you guys can take home and apply in your own Fiverr freelance business and online. Without further ado, thanks, Mike, for joining us today. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me, Daniel. I think that that's a, a, a good intro. Practical tips to how to grow a Fiverr business. That's what I'm all about. Exactly. Awesome. All right, so we'll start off from the top. When you first started growing your Fiverr business online, what challenges or hurdles did you have to overcome in order to reach the level of success that you saw on Fiverr? Because I can't imagine that it was all just easy going right from the get go. Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, some months I'm I'm at that 3,000, 3,500 point, but there were a lot of months in the early days where that wasn't the case. And I think for me and for a lot of the sellers that I talk to, either through YouTube or just sit on Reddit, wherever, the biggest challenges I face and everyone seems to face, the first is getting orders, right? Like when you start out, I think there's this misconception that you join Fiverr and it's like you have this license to print money. But -hmm. the reality is once you start, you realize that Fiverr is just the platform that enables you to make money online. And it enables you to collect payment and manage orders efficiently without having to do all that yourself but getting orders is still up to you as a seller. So that's something I had to work on in the early days. And, you know, for me, I, I was really just focused around, you know, SEO, building better gigs. And when I did get orders, completing them like above and beyond, so I could get five-star ratings, that that really helped. The, the second challenge I had to overcome is not so much related to making money on Fiverr, but more so balancing Fiverr once it started to pick up, balancing my personal life with, my new Fiverr commitments. Cause you know, having a girlfriend, friends, Fiverr doesn't really have like a, a nine to five, right? Like you right. get an order and depending on how many days your order timeline is, you could have something due like on a Monday evening or a Tuesday night or a Friday night. In the early days, I was so excited to be getting orders that I kind of went overkill into like Fiverr's number one priority, which is fine, I guess in the early days, but it was really important for me. And I think probably also really important to other sellers to kind of overcome that and, and find a way to balance. And, and what I ended up doing is I, I just blocked time into my calendar on certain days of the week. And that's my Fiverr time. I had similar experience on Fiverr where if I have too many orders in my queue, I'll just, I'll revert to either pausing the orders, which is obviously lost, missed opportunity, but just that whole process of balancing the, the time management. That's an excellent point. A lot of a lot of new people starting on Fiverr need to you know take to heart, especially when you start seeing that initial success. So along those lines, what are some of those factors in addition to the time management 
that helped you to get to that $3,000 a month level? Yeah. So aside from like actually figuring out how to do it and getting orders, like I just mentioned, the number one thing that I, I needed to do, even as someone who I felt had the skills to sell what I was trying to sell, which is copywriting services on Fiverr. But it's kind of having the skills to provide value to buyers. Part of growing the amount of orders that I, I was getting and growing the volume and growing the amount I was making every month wasn't just me selling more. It was me finding ways to offer different gigs for different target buyers. And, and with that came skills that sometimes fall outside of my comfort zone or what I was already good at. For new buyers listening to this, the number one factor uh, that's like internal to you is actually having a skill. Like Fiverr doesn't owe us anything, right? Like Fiverr is a marketplace. And if if I didn't have something to sell to that marketplace, likewise, if, if you don't have something to sell to that marketplace, the first thing you need to do is get really good at something that people want to buy. So that was something that I, I constantly was working on in the early days, like exploring So as a copywriter, I started with sales and marketing emails. Then I branched out to like website copy, LinkedIn copy, product descriptions for Amazon, most of which were things I I didn't really have that much experience in. Getting those skills and and practicing and having the mindset of constantly practicing helped me grow to that $3,000 plus per month point because it's really hard to just scale one gig because you are kind of limited by the size of the market for a particular niche on Fiverr. So expanding the breadth of what's possible in the realm of your experience is helpful to go beyond that. Yeah. The, the second thing is obviously, you know, delivering a high quality of work. Like this is probably a recurring theme. Like if you do garbage work, nope, you're going to get a bad review and no one's going to buy from you. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Just going above and beyond when you do get the opportunity to make an impression with an order. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I see a lot of Fiverr freelancers that focus in, on, on becoming like generalists and they'll, they'll say, oh, I can do any type of writing or any type of web design. And that they think that they're covering a huge potential market because they can do anything, but that, that's not how the buyers search and, and target, yeah. you know, the gig. So n- niching down to different segments of your broader market, like for you, it's, it's website copywriting for me, it's web design. And that does the opposite of what you would think actually will increase tons more traffic coming for targeted people looking for exactly. your service. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the best point I think you've made so far. Like people don't get how important being specialized is, right? Like, mm-hmm. first of all, like if a buyer lands on your profile and you are a jack of all trades, but master of none, they're going to know that. Like, let's get real here. Like pe- people know when they're looking at someone who specializes in something or someone who's just throwing darts at a dartboard to see what sticks. Right. Yeah. Yep. And from an SEO perspective, by focusing on like a particular niche, you're helping yourself rank higher because all the descriptions and subject lines you're writing are going to be following that theme. And when people type that stuff into Fiverr search, there's more of a chance they'll hit you up versus like if you have 10 different gigs and 10 different niches, Fiverr doesn't know really what you do, right? So they're not going to help you with the algorithm. Yeah, that's awesome. So going back to your origin story here, what settled you on copywriting? Did you have any preference towards writing or was it just an attractive market? What was your initial motivation starting copywriting? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, right now, like if you if you Google copywriting or go on YouTube, it seems mm-hmm. to be like a buzzword, like it's some like magical thing you can do. Um, when I started, I didn't actually, I wasn't really savvy or privy to that information. I 
I didn't really know what copywriting was, but I kind of was, was in this situation where I, I had done sales in the past. I had an interest in marketing because I've run some websites for myself out of personal interest in the past and learned about, you know, how to kind of grow businesses that way. Yep. But at the same time, I was interested in writing and like writing a book and becoming a novelist was something I was really interested in. So I actually came across copywriting as a way to motivate myself to write because to be a good author, what I read was you need to just learn how to be a good writer first. And part of being a good writer is actually learning how to just sit down and write because procrastination like kills a lot of that type of productivity. So I was like, okay, if I can find a way to sell things of value, like sales emails, marketing emails, website content to people, I would be motivated by the money (laughs) and then the money would motivate me to practice writing. And then in turn, I'd become a better writer. And it kind of just grew from there. I kind of had the same initial starting point with Fiverr. Just wanted to find an outlet to start drawing and, and practice my drawing skills. So I got online. I was like, why don't I just make money and practice at the same time? Yeah. And I was selling $5 drawings and I loved it. I was like, this is the greatest. Uh, and, and so it's just funny how that, that's a common theme of, of wanting to you know, improve on a skill and still earn an income from it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like, for me personally, like I, this is like one of my flaws. Like I, I can't, I have a, I have an issue with just picking up a hobby and just doing it for the hobby. I always am like, how can I make money out of this? And with writing, it was something that, you know, I was like, oh, being an author would be fantastic. And Fiverr was like that perfect storm, like you said, where you're actually practicing what you want to get better at. And the money that you could make doing it is what's motivating you. And you see the money in the near term. Whereas a lot of these things traditionally, like if you wanted to be an animator, you'd be practicing for like 10 years. And then maybe like a comic (laughs) company would hire you for one comic book. But like the the payoff is so long-term traditionally that you'd give up, right? Right, right. I'm I'm curious, what, what do you see? And I know you have a YouTube channel. You see a lot of comments from people. What, what's the biggest myth that you've come across with, with people when they're starting on Fiverr, trying to make money online that you could share some insight on? Well, I mean, the, the biggest myth and thing that kind of like grinds my gears the most is people think it's easy or it should be easy. Or like when I, Google or search for other Fiverr videos from other sellers on YouTube, all the keywords are like how to make money on Fiverr with no work or with no experience (laughs) or without with copying and pasting or or fast. Like the biggest myth is that it can be fast. It can be easy. And like, you're just going to make millions. Like that's ridiculous because you know, it's 2020. We live in a world where like any good idea that can make money fast circulates around the globe so fast people start doing it it suddenly then becomes not a great way to make money because people know about it there's right. nothing different with fiverr like fiverr is the same as starting a business except fiverr is awesome and takes a lot of the overhead startup costs off the table for us you know marketing crm um order management payment processing like you have to worry about that yeah biggest myth by far and it's like a pet peeve of mine is when people think it should be easy In one of your YouTube videos, uh, I know you talked specifically about reading books to improve your skill as a copywriter. I guess from your standpoint, what books or information do you consume or do you recommend other people to to focus on to improve their writing skills? This is something that I'm constantly focused on. Like, obviously, I'm making money on Fiverr as a writer, but I... Mm -hmm. I'm in no way thinking that I'm the best writer I can be. So one thing that I've, I've learned through reading a lot of like how to write books and stuff is that 
if you want to be a good writer, you should really read a lot so that you can learn what being a good writer even means. For me, being a writer stemmed out of my desire to eventually write a story. I, I do read as much as I can in the kind of categories I'm interested in. So for me, when it comes to fiction, I read a lot of fantasy, Game of Thrones type of stuff, um, the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson. I read a lot of sci-fi by like Neil Stevenson. That's just nice. the stuff I'm interested in from like the writing side of things to actually teach you how to be a good writer. A book that I really, I've read a couple of times is by Stephen King. It's called On Writing. Hmm. And um, it's not so much like a, a tutorial, like, oh, read this, follow these steps and you'll be a writer. But it's more so a recount of his journey becoming a writer, told a little bit about his backstory as an alcoholic, how he started writing and some of the best books he wrote, he wrote Blackout Drunk, he can't even remember them. But he kind of talks about some of the constants or things that held true throughout his journey to become a great writer. And there are things like writing every day, getting into a routine, figuring out what you need to do to be able to just sit down and write for an hour. And then also when you do get started writing, like I, I started writing my first book a few years ago, it, it can get to a point where you're so in your own head with the story that it starts to, you start to hit a wall. Mm -hmm. And one of the concepts he talks about, and this is more so with, with regards to writing a story, not so much copywriting. He's like, just put the manuscript away and forget about it for a while, come back to it and have fresh mindset. That book was really helpful to me because in the day and age we live in, people look online for guides and they're looking for you to just tell them how to do it. Like, what are the steps to being a great writer? Tell me, I want to be rich. It's like, that's so stupid. The Stephen King book <laughs> on writing was like, okay, it's, I'm not going to tell you how to like, obviously he talks about like books called The Elements of Style, which just talks about basics of writing convention and stuff like that. But with this book, it was all about the process and the mindset and why you're writing. Do you need to write? Do you love writing? That really kind of got me on the path of reading a lot and then trying to find a way to write a lot. That book in many ways is what caused me to find copywriting because I was trying to find excuses to write every day. That's awesome. So going along those same lines, practice versus education, which is more important or are they roughly equal? Do you spend your time, equal amount of time writing? What's your balance? I'll answer the question mm -hmm. to me personally, and then I'll talk about something I've noticed with people around the world who are trying to do writing. So for me, you know, a perfect world, bull. like I, I right. obviously practice writing a lot. Like I'm writing for Fiverr every day. I, I try to write stories that I want to write as often as possible. And I read almost every day. Yeah. And that's important. And on the flip side of that, I've spent quite a bit of money buying books and looking at courses to try to learn how to become a better writer. I also have the advantage that I'm a native English speaker. So that that's a big hurdle that I already have overcome just by nature of being someone born in Canada who speaks English every day, right? Like I, right. I don't have that as a, as a barrier. However, a lot of the people I'm meeting through YouTube who are trying to become copywriters in other parts of the world, it depends, right? A lot of the, the population of people trying to become fiber sellers live in countries where spending $500 on how to write books isn't an option. Mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. So they have to turn to the internet and try to kind of piece together what steps they should take um, to become a good writer. And in, in those in situations like that, where getting the edgy formal, we'll call it education is tough. Practice is all you can do. And that's what you should do. You know, you, yeah. there's, there's no like hard and fast rules of what it takes to become a good writer, but practice can help you get there. Will it take longer? Yes. But that's all you have to work with and you truly want to be a writer. That's, that's the path I think people should take. Do you reference other writers and, and try to emulate styles or would you just 
the proficiency or how many pages of, of writing that you produce? Is that how you would define practice? In the world of copywriting, it's kind of, it's kind of tough, right? To find, <laughs> to find a voice of what it, like finding a voice as a writer is important. You know, writing myself helps me develop my own voice. But what I sometimes do is I'll just skim through my email. Like a lot of the copy I write is for email marketing. So hmm. all of us over the last, I don't know, 20 years have probably subscribed to a million email lists. I'll just go through my email and see what some of the big brands are sending out or what some of the little brands are sending out that really got me to read the whole email. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting angle on how to get someone's attention or, oh, that's a cool way of trying to sell that product or book a meeting. Yeah, I'll do that pretty often. Like I, I get a lot of spam, all of us do, but I actually read the, I read the spam <laughs> or the email or the, the email list that I'm on. And I'm like, okay, this is the trend that people are going down or what subject lines got me to click through. From an education perspective for copywriting, that's super helpful, but also reading just stuff outside of what you're trying to do is helpful too. Cause like sometimes I'll pull things that I've seen authors do in stories that really flowed really well and like are just cool quotes or or ways of speaking that they've done in the story that you never see in copy. I'm like, oh, you know, this might work here and you just try it. Like a big part of my strategy is to sound conversational. I don't want to sound like a robot, which a lot of people do. So that's kind of my main focus and however I can expand my knowledge base to do that, I'll do. When you started writing initially, I mean, would you consider yourself especially talented as a writer? Did that play any factor into your success? What was your level when you started? From like a basics perspective, I knew how to write in English, yeah. right? So like, could I write? Yes. Was I a fantastic writer? No. Um, was I a good copywriter? No. Because a lot of what I think makes a good copywriter is like we talked about earlier, is getting into a routine and being able to just sit down and yeah. pump out thousands of words, sometimes about topics that I am in no way interested about about for businesses that I do not believe in or, or products that I think are a little wonky. That's, that's the hard part of being a copywriter. Was I good when I started at that? No, it was tough. I spent a lot of time doing research on what I was writing about. Mm -hmm. Now I would say after a couple of years, I would say I'm probably a pretty good writer. Like I think, obviously I think I'm a good copywriter because I'm making what a lot of people would consider to be a a yearly income from it. However, I'm not naive enough to think that I'm the best writer. I think I'm far from the best writer. You know, I've seen YouTube videos of people making 40 grand a month as copywriters. I don't know if that's elaborate or like a boosted claim, but like I'm nowhere near there. So I think there's a lot of room for me to improve, but I think I'm pretty good. Well, I mean, I think, and I think too, the misconception for a lot of people is, you know, how, how many, how many years of experience they need before they can start selling whatever their craft is. And, and the lesson that I'm taking from this, at least talking to you and other people is, you know, you don't have to be a seasoned expert with you know, 15 years of experience behind you to start improving and selling and actually marketing whatever, whatever value you have to create for somebody else. If you can create value for somebody else, then you have a potential business model. Exactly. And it's important to point out on that point, there's a lot of people who are like, I can write, I should sell. It's like, you need to have the mindset that can you write something better than the person you're trying to sell it to? Because if you can't, you're not ready. Also, can you write? Yes. Are are you a basic or are you a beginner writer? If so, like, don't expect to just jump into making thousands of dollars per month. You got to price your gigs accordingly. Like I've upped my cost since I started from like $5 for an email up to where it's at now to like $35 for a single email. The reason I did that is because 
A, I was, I was improving my skills. I was improving my social proof in the form of reviews and I was improving my experience. Like you got to also have the mindset that it's going to take time to put in your time to get to that point. But yeah, like, like you said, if you feel confident that you can write, for example, there's nothing stopping you from starting to test the waters to see what's part of the market you're going to target and be able to offer value. in. yeah, I think that's a good point. You just mentioned social proof and getting those top rated reviews with that. How do you keep your customers happy? Do you have any guiding principles to having a positive review or or social proof outcome from an order? I think what I do really well, that is not natural for a lot of sellers is I'll take the time to make sure that I'm setting the right expectations with buyers. So I've noticed in talking to a lot of new sellers, especially as soon as they get interest from a buyer, as soon as someone places an order, they're all about, okay, okay, okay. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, place the order, place the order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Which is bad from a sales perspective. If you are rushing and you're getting someone to place an order without fully understanding what they want, fully understanding whether you can do it, you're really, you're, Charlie horsing yourself. Sure. You might make five bucks or 50 bucks or a thousand bucks in the short term, but if they're like, this guy sucked, he didn't listen to me. He didn't ask me any questions. I'll never order from him again. Anyone reading that review is not going to order from you again. What I do that I think really helps me, you know, I have a lot of five stars. I think I'm like rated 4.9 on Fiverr Cause I probably have like five reviews that aren't a five star, but you got to take the time. So when someone's messaging me, I get a lot of messages from new business owners or little side hustlers or entrepreneurs trying to start a business. And I notice they don't fully understand their business. In these cases, you've got someone who watched some course online and like, oh, I'm going to start selling this online course. I take a lot of time to ask them questions like, who are you selling to? Why are you selling? Why is your product good? Can you explain your product to me? Just so I can get as much information as I can from them. And then I say, okay, what's your goal with hiring me? Like, what do you want to get out of this? I don't rush to get them to place the order because then if they place the order and I don't have the information to complete the order and I deliver something that doesn't align with what they had in their head, then it's a lose-lose, right? So taking the time to both set expectations, make sure you're clear on the expectations. And then when, you know, I'm satisfied that I have all that I need, I obviously make sure that I exceed them in the delivered work. And that's, I think that's a pretty foolproof strategy, but a lot of people skip that step because they're in a rush to get someone to place an order. I like that uh, under promise over deliver. I mean, that's what is going to create a win-win every single time. And totally. uh, yeah, that's, that's a great tip. Going back to, you talked about, I think Stephen King, one of Stephen King's books and creating, creating the habit of writing. And I mean, habits and mindset are a really important part of, at least a freelancer type of lifestyle. You're the owner of your own schedule. What do you do to create successful writing habits around uh, your work? Or do you have a set time every day or a ritual to get started writing? This has evolved. Like I've been on Fiverr since I think almost two years now. When I started, I had no routine. And then when I started to build a routine, my hourly earnings started to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. In the early days, I think I was making like, I don't know, 10 or 20 bucks per hour of work. And then near near today, I'm sometimes over $250 per hour worked, right? Yeah. And the reason that's the case is I started to make habits and processes, I call them, to streamline things. So the first thing I do, I block out three hour and a half windows every week where that's my fiber time. So I think it's like right now it's like Tuesday evenings, Thursday evenings, and Saturday mornings. That's my time for fiber orders. And typically my, my delivery timelines are long enough that I'll never really get 
dinged for missing an order. And I mean, if I'm going to, I obviously find time yep. to do those orders, right? So that's one thing. I block my time. Um, the second thing that was probably the most helpful to me was I started tracking every order I completed in a spreadsheet. And I've done that since I started. I haven't stopped. I have like 400 plus orders being tracked. And what I track is the date the order was completed, who the client was, what industry the client was in, how many minutes it took me to complete the order, actual minutes from sitting down and starting to, to delivering the order on Fiverr. Yeah. Is that what I made on that order after Fiverr's cut? And then I do like a little Excel function to tell me what my hourly rate is. That has totally changed the game for me because now I have like 400 orders worth of data in there and I can filter it based on industries. By putting that industry tab in, I can, I can say, okay, I get a lot of people who hire me to write emails to sell their online course. I can filter that and say, okay, I've done 75 orders to selling online courses. Mm -hmm. This is just an example. My average hourly earnings from online courses is $175 per hour. It allows me to identify what types of buyers are most profitable to me and that I have most experience with. So it's been insanely helpful. Also, when I'm testing out new gigs, it allows me to say, okay, um, my LinkedIn gig only pays me this much per hour. Like maybe do I want to focus on this? Do I want to remove that gig and try to add something else in there? So it's allowed me to kind of get a visual representation of what my time is worth in different gigs that I'm offering. And also it just lets me have a true ROI of my time because it's hard to track that on Fiverr. It, it allows me to say, okay, I work four hours a week on Fiverr and I make $750 for that four hours. That is fantastic. That type of information is what motivates me to continue because I don't know many people that can do that in a nine to five. And it allows you, you can optimize, you can see what's your most profitable industries and, and, and also cut out the things like you said, that are, that are costing you more. You're not, you know, don't have as much ROI on. Exactly. Oh, and just before we move on and with yeah. that, what, where it's been super helpful is in the early days, I was always trying to find ways to make more per hour. So I started adding different gig extras. So I track that in the spreadsheet as well. So I'm able to actually filter out and I track which gig they purchased too. I didn't mention that earlier. So hmm. I'll put the gig they purchased and whether they purchased a gig extra and which gig extra. So what I focused on was creating gig extras that didn't necessarily take a lot of extra work from my perspective, but offered a lot of value to my buyers, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're buying like a sales email cadence from me, and I know that to sell this type of course, it made sense to send emails on day one, three, five, seven, ten, whatever, whatever that cadence is. I can resell that cadence. Say, hey, listen, for an extra twenty bucks, thirty bucks, I'll tell you the best days to send this email. Or for an extra fifty bucks, I'll write you a voicemail script so you can follow up via email because I've done cold calling in the past. As soon as I started tracking that stuff, it was like I kind of unlocked the key to success in my niche. Okay. Selling the gigs is good as a copywriter, but finding gig extras that people want to buy is the best because a lot of these people don't know what they don't know and they're yeah. new to sales. They're new to marketing. They're new to email writing. So by doing that, I was able to offer them a supreme amount of value because I'm suggesting things that they could be looking at to help them sell more. And it's in turn helped me sell more, which is like monumental to getting my hourly earnings to really climb. That's a wicked uh, insight. Absolutely. Just hidden golden nuggets of upselling your core base uh, gig, whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Next thing here, I saw that you have growing YouTube channel, growing following, growing brand. What's your motivation and vision for 
what you're doing on YouTube and some of your other pursuits online besides the, the freelancing? I mean, I obviously started on Fiverr, like I mentioned, to become a better writer and I was motivated by the money. After kind of figuring that out and realizing it was something I wanted to continue with myself, it kind of changed my life. Like aside from the extra money I was making, it allowed me to be more productive and find ways to get more out of my time. We talked about some of the processes I follow and routines and like different mm-hmm. things you do in your day to make sure that you're doing the things you need to do or getting in the right mindset. It's actually helped me succeed in other aspects of my life as well. I feel like I'm more productive. I can take on more responsibility. It really has just changed the outlook for me of what I think is possible in my lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I met so many people all over the world and even in my friend group who had never heard of Fiverr or never even knew what freelancing was. But when you start talking to them, about it, like, wow, that, that'd be great for me too. I thought, you know, this is really working out well for me. I think it'd be pretty cool to kind of first get the message out to other people to be like, Hey, you can do this on Fiverr. It's possible. And it's pretty awesome. But B um, it's also a learning experience for me in the YouTube channel, for example, figuring out like I, my vision of what the channel would be when I started is so different now, because now I'm taking feedback from all these people watching and hearing what are challenges for people hearing where people struggle on Fiverr, which might not necessarily align with where I struggle on Fiverr. It's been like a great opportunity to both help other people say, see how great Fiverr can be and how life-changing it can be. I know it's a great earning opportunity without borders. Like I know a lot of the people who sell on Fiverr do not live in countries that are expensive to live in like Canada and the U S so making $3,000 per month, if that's possible for them is like, Holy smokes, like totally life-changing and that's motivating. And then also just, it, it feels good, right? Like I, I love hearing people, say this is really helpful I, I have a couple people have submitted their profiles to me for review and they're like hey mike i live in you know wherever indonesia and i've, I've made 900 dollars us in the last three months like that's a lot of money for me i'm like a top earner in my family it's like wow that, that's pretty cool yeah just a combination of reasons it, it's been awesome to see it growing and that's also exciting as well like watching the following grow is um, i'm only at like under six thousand, but very motivating You're ahead above a lot of people starting on YouTube and trying to build up their channels. You know, obviously a lot of things here have made you successful, perhaps on Fiverr, you're taking a lot of those principles, applying them to YouTube and clearly it's it's building traction. So I'm excited for, you know, your future, at least on YouTube and where you're going with that. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, definitely. And then as far as if (laughs) if you had to start on Fiverr all over from scratch with nothing, um, what gig would you offer? And because assuming over all these, all these years, you know, you've learned uh, what's works, what doesn't work. Um, how would you start? What gig would you offer? And how would you attract attention to it today, starting from zero? Is this so just to reframe the question, is this yes. assuming I'm still the same person? The You're same still the same that? person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would still be copywriting. I mean, that's the only thing that I I think that I'm interested enough in to do. I mean, now that I've actually learned how to do video editing to a basic degree through my YouTube channel, that might be something I would also be interested in. Mm -hmm. But I think copywriting, and I think I would probably go about it in a similar way. Maybe I would focus on proactively prospecting and sending my gig to companies a little bit more. Cause that's not really something I ever really focused on. I, I did, I've done a little bit of outreach, but I really hit the SEO so hard that it's, it's growing yep. to a point where I didn't need to really prospect. Yep. 
yeah, I would, I would focus on, on copywriting. I would focus on SEO. And I think I might've tried to leverage Reddit um, just to see if there is a way for me to find, there's a lot of like subreddits with like entrepreneurship or entrepreneur ride along where people tell their journeys of growing businesses. I think as a copywriter, those would have been great places for me to be like, Hey, that's so cool. I do copywriting. Do you want, do you want to work together? I can help you out. I think that would have helped expedite things a little bit too. I noticed actually, I started a blog a number of years ago and I remember a huge spike in traffic one day and I was like, where are these people coming from? And it was actually a subreddit. Yeah. There's just a lot of haters on Reddit. So you have to be very careful. They're like very, very quick, totally lights you on fire if they feel like you're being self-motivated. But yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, a balancing act. Yeah. So who are some of the people that you follow and, and success philosophies that you subscribe to? There's one YouTuber, totally irrelevant niche to mine, but his name is Ali Abdel. Ali Abdel, he's like a, a doctor from Cambridge University in the UK who has this YouTube channel and he's got like over a million subscribers, but he just talks about videos about productivity mindfulness, stoicism, just like all this stuff around like living a healthy, productive, happy life. Awesome. Uh, and he also does like randomly iPad product reviews. He's like a huge Apple guy. He's just like very entertaining to watch. And like, he seems like someone who has a really great mindset on life. So I, I try to watch all of his videos. And then um, on like the business side of things, there's like so many of these like fake gurus, like get rich quick type of coaches out there but there's this one guy i found who kind of teeters on the edge his name is patrick bet david um i don't know if you've ever heard of him but he's like a guy from uh, iran immigrated to the u.s years ago became a marine wasn't really too ambitious and then started like doing this cold call door knocking insurance sales and he ended up growing this pretty huge insurance agency and people are like kind of on the fence about whether it's like multi-level marketing or not but him as a person, he's so motivated. He's all about like improving self-improvement, the grind, making money, working to make a living. And he doesn't preach that get rich quick thing that a lot of people preach. And he also does really cool interviews with like ex mafia kingpins (laughs) on his channel. Really cool guy. I I love, I love his stuff too. So those are like the, the two main influencers I would say that I follow like pretty religiously. Oh, and, and I don't know if you've heard of Graham Stephan. So he's like an LA real estate agent, same deal. He's super young. He's like 28 years old guy grew like a a business selling real estate in LA, making like $200,000 a year, but now he makes like $2 million a year from YouTube. (laughs) So he's just like another guy who really has insightful analysis of like investments and business opportunities. These three guys really inspire me and you watch their videos and you're like, damn, I need to make more money. So Mike, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for being here, for doing the interview. Clearly, you know, tons of insight, tons of nuggets of, of inspiration. Um, and it's, it's exactly what I saw when I checked out your YouTube channel. So just want to say thank you for the content you're creating, uh, for sharing, you know, this interview and all your insights. If you guys want to check it out, Mike Nardi TV on YouTube uh, for more of Mike's content. Appreciate it very much, man. Awesome. Thanks, Daniel. It was awesome. Definitely. Thanks for listening to the Fiverr Freelance Secrets Podcast. Check out our website for even more powerful tools and online marketing secrets at www.thevirtualfreelance.com.
Be sure to tune in every week for new podcast episodes that will help set you on the path of massive online success.